1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about SEO even more. We are going to touch the topic to be determined. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Mike King. How are you? I'm
0: fantastic. How are you? I'm doing
1: great. Friday, you know, I love this day from school. By the way, uh, it doesn't mean that I hate Monday. I love Monday as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I remember uh, when, uh, yeah, I think like, Uh, Five years ago, I had the business because of chasing money, nothing Mm -hmm. else that was not passion. And Mm -hmm. I hated uh, Monday. Today, uh, I love Monday because I decided to quit this business (laughs) and pay attention to something that I like. So uh, before we start, just remind our audience about yourself. Uh, background experience and why you decided to share with us about uh, this topic to be determined
0: sure uh my king i've been an seo for a really long time (laughs) like uh, 16 years now i guess uh you know my background is in computer science i also make music i run an agency called iphone rank i work with uh, a lot of fortune 500 brands and we get great
1: results nice nice yeah by the way i check out your website and found on the page about us uh, that you have two specialists in data science uh, can you tell why it's important today to learn about data uh why just don't use generic data from tools and uh, use them uh, because you know I, I see when uh many websites fail to get results they usually use ihref Semrush, any other tools Take high volume keywords, uh, create generic content. They can't get results. Uh, Can you tell more about, because uh, I check on your blog that you pay a lot of attention to find the right keywords that can sell, that can, it's possible to rank. Uh, And I found on your team, you have specialists who can uh, analyze this data. Can you tell more about data, how to find the right data and the right keywords to rank?
0: Yeah, I'm a strong believer that you need to really scrutinize your data because, you know, a lot of people just kind of take the data at face value and they're like, okay, well, this tool says this, that must be the way it is. Well, you know, that's not necessarily true, right? Like there's inherently biases in any data set that you get. And so if you say like, okay, I'm only going to use Ahrefs, well, there's a series of biases that come with that. Or I'm only going to use Majestic. There's a series of biases that come with that. So what we do, especially when we're doing like link analysis, we're going to get all the data we can from all the sources and then deduplicate it and then say, okay, what is the true picture of what's happening here? right? Or what is the closest thing to the true picture? Because, you know, and again, let's just keep it to links for this one example. Google crawls everything. You know, they have the biggest data set in the world when it comes to, what's on the web, right? And so Ahrefs, Majestic, Moz, all of them have to make some sort of like decisions on what they're going to crawl. If you look at the different link indices, they all have different numbers of links. Like, you know, some of them will be like, okay, we have 4 billion or 4 trillion links and we have 4 billion websites. Other ones will say that they have less and so on. So you've got to understand that that data comes with a series of decisions that were made by the people that created that data set and so if you just really go with one you're going to be limited in what you can understand and so for us we have this analyst role that is all about like making sense of that data and finding the right insights to really be effective at driving organic search traffic and driving qualified organic search traffic and you know like you said a lot of us just go for like high volume keywords and so on well cool you're driving traffic fantastic but if that traffic doesn't do what you want it to yeah then you're wasting your time and so it's really important to us that we really select the right subset of keywords so that we're driving those qualified visits so we get the right people to the website
1: yeah yeah and i remember when i uh found one study on twitter uh when website got uh 12 Thousand uh, people a month with uh, keywords that have uh, zero volume, mm-hmm. nothing, you know, and yeah, they uh, learn more about customers, uh, about their issues because uh, yeah, uh, sometimes tools can uh, can provide all data. It's better to uh, learn from social media groups, Reddit, many other places, Quora, and create content with these topics because your competitors ignore them and you can get much higher results. Okay, let's talk about to be determined. Can you tell more about this terminology? Uh, What does it mean if someone doesn't know about that?
0: Well, to be determined is just that we're going to come up with a topic now (laughs) to be determined doesn't necessarily it doesn't like mean anything beyond that but what i would love to talk about today a little bit is just this idea of um what is called neural information retrieval and Mm -hmm. so you know what that means is it's like a series of technologies that have been developed in the last like five to ten years that really leverages deep learning to inform search and so you know, there's a few years ago that that Google um, there's like an article in the New York Times where a Google engineer was like quoted as saying like we don't even know how the algorithm works at this point, and you know the the idea is that when you're leveraging deep learning as a mechanism for this, it is very difficult to understand like what connections are being made within the data sets that are being you know processed and in the index and so on, and so. I think that's really important to understand, like, what, what is the underlying technology there? Because if, and I believe they are, but if Google is using that, the measures that we're using as SEOs are effectively obsolete. And you're, you're seeing this reflected in how, um, you know, sometimes you'll look at a series of rankings and you'll be like, wait, this page doesn't have as many links. So this page doesn't have as much content. Like why is it ranking better than my page, which has better content and better links and so on? And so, you know, I just really want to introduce this as a concept that like, it may be a function of what is called neural information retrieval or or deep retrieval. Um, And so, you know, I think that we need to update our understanding of the underlying technology as we continue to progress as SEOs. Otherwise, we're kind of just flying blind here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, uh, if Google doesn't understand how this mechanism works, uh, SEOs, <laughs> what they can do just <laughs> to optimize as maximum as possible You know to help clients, sure. to lead them. And I always tell my customers, forget about Google. Just think about human being. Help them, support Mm -hmm. them, share value, and forget about Google. Then when you have the best content, uh, the best possible content, okay, you can optimize uh, for Google. You know, just use some keywords in title, uh, uh, technical optimization, many other stuff. So, yeah, it's very important. Okay, uh, can you tell about... um, uh, choosing priorities uh, and you uh, mentioned about uh, quality content you know when someone uh, thinks that uh, uh, their content is better but uh, it's subjective we don't know exactly which content is better for example uh, I remember when one client told me I don't know what's going on I have much better content but my competitors ran higher mm-hmm. and I check out why you decided your content is better and reply to me you know because uh, the lengths it's not about the length. It's about uh, possible people don't need this length. They need to get uh, replies to their questions. Can you tell about creating high quality content, how to measure them and how to choose? Uh, uh, I don't know, uh, for example, to compare with competitors that rank in the top ten.
0: Sure. Like you said, it is completely subjective, but at the same time, again, just kind of going back to the the concepts of information retrieval, there are measurable things that algorithms use to determine whether or not a piece of content is valuable, right? So there's two concepts, one of which is called ZIPS law. And um, basically what it says is that if you and I are both experts on the same subject, we're gonna use the same words to talk about that subject. So effectively what that means is that there is a statistical expectation of words and entities and their usage as it relates to what currently ranks for a given subject. So you've seen a lot of people using tools like Surfer SEO and, um, you know, uh, rights content experience, or writes content success, search metrics content experience, um, you know, phrase, there's a whole bunch of tools out there that are basically looking at features of pages that rank it and saying like, hey, use more of these in your content, right? So there's (laughs) that aspect of like the quantitative component of it. But then there's also the qualitative component. Like, are you answering these questions in a robust way, like you're saying? And, um, you know, is your content well designed? Is it yielding uh, user signals that reflect, um, you know, it being a quality piece of content? So you can't just think about it as like, okay, did I use the words enough? Are there enough pictures? Is it a thousand words? It's a combination of that and how are people reacting to it so you know it it's not as easy as like you just look at it and you're like oh yeah it's a great piece of content it's a better piece of content it's also how is that reflected by people how people interact with it so Mm -hmm. it's definitely a multi-dimensional problem it's not just like looking at the content itself
1: Mm mm-hmm. uh, I opened your website uh, today to check out and uh, I decided to find your unique selling proposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell uh, how you stand out from the rest? Because I often speak with many different uh, SEO experts, uh, many of them are great, but you know it's interesting they have different approaches. I mm-hmm. can't find the same uh, approaches, uh, someone is good with content creation and don't care about links, others can provide awesome PR campaigns, link building campaigns and get high results. Uh, tell about your unique selling proposition, why I pull rank is better than competitors.
0: Sure, um, I mean it really just comes down to thought leadership right, because mm-hmm there are a lot of things that are done in the SEO space that weren't done before we did them. Like, if you go back to, you know, 2011, like I was one of the first people to talk about JavaScript SEO being a thing, right? Like, and I remember when I I gave a presentation about it, and there was also a, a previous colleague who had written a blog post on my site called Googlebot is Chrome. And we had revealed that, you know, Google was able to crawl with headless browsers. Right. And so, when I first had uh, started talking about that, other SEOs were like, why does that matter? And, you know, I was like, why doesn't it matter? Like, it it really (laughs) unlocks the world of content that's effectively hidden by JavaScript. And, you know, as you've seen over the years, like everyone talks about JavaScript SEO now. And everyone Mm -hmm. is saying like, yes, you got to account for this, yada, yada, yada. And so, you know, it's thought leadership in that, we're able to be ahead of where people are going in the space. And then we kind of distill that down into a series of different things that we do. So I would say audience research has always been like fundamental to what we do, like leveraging market segmentation, figuring out how we fit into the marketing mix and so on and using that to inform, you know, what keywords we're going to go after. We're not just going to be like, okay, here's the space. Here's the keywords that we got from SEMrush. We're looking at that through the lens of a series of market segments or personas and say, okay, here is the set of keywords that we need to be going with. And this is how they align with the user journey. And then that informs what we do with content and link building everything down the line. So I just want to pause here for a second and say that fundamentally, anyone that's a good SEO is doing the same things. Right. But strategically, what we layer on top of it is what makes us more effective. And again, that starts from the thought leadership. But the other aspect is what I call content engineering. So all that semantic SEO stuff that people do or try to do, um, you know, we've been doing that for a very long time. And we've been leveraging things like entities, co-occurrence, you know, all the different things like prominence and distribution of keyword usage and so on in like a very scientific way for a long time. So we're able to generate content that's really well positioned to rank. And you know we also don't just think of it as like a vertical thing because most of the tools that we talked about, um, they just look at the SERP and they're like, okay, well, in the top 20, we're seeing these keywords being used. And in some cases they might mention entities, in most cases they don't. And they're just saying, cool, based on what we're looking at going up and down the SERP, here's what you should be using. What I believe is that Google isn't just looking at one keyword and what ranks for that, they're looking horizontally as well. Because think about keywords that they've never seen before. They have to say, okay, what keywords or what concepts is this related to? So that we can say, well, we have a general understanding of this concept, even though we've not seen this keyword before. So we can use that to inform rankings. So you've got to do that when you're creating your content, because otherwise you're not, you're going to miss out on like a whole world. Of understanding that Google has, and then you're not gonna be able to have your content uh, perform as well. And then the other thing that kind of sets us apart is that we are a productized service. Um, you know, most agencies are just like, yeah, we charge by the hour, whatever happens, happens. For us, what we do is we come into the project and we say, okay, well, these are your goals, cool. These are the deliverables that we have to put together in order for you to meet those goals. And so everything is really really clear up front and there's no like confusion about well how many hours did you guys work this week that doesn't matter what matters is that we're focusing on the results and then we're keeping that front and center throughout the entirety of the conversation
1: yeah yeah love it unbelievable uh, Okay, let's talk about uh, choosing priorities. You mentioned about uh, creating content a few times. And, you know, from my experience, um, even big companies uh, that have a big budget have no experience with creating content. They usually mm-hmm. reply to me, I need to develop, innovate my products. I have no time with that. Uh, and uh, 10 years ago, I had a team of copywriters who wrote about everything. Google mm-hmm. rent all this content. Today, it's not. I have no team of copywriters because uh, uh, it's hard to find copywriters who know all topics. I think uh, you can find Jack of all trades, uh, but not experts. Can you tell, do you help uh, customers to create content if they have no experience with that and how to find responsible experts who can write about specific topics?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So for us, we have a network of over 100 Uh, subject matter experts for content creation because like you said if we just had copywriters in-house like they know what they know they're not going to be experts in like i don't know um you know industrial strength uh microwaves or something like that and you gotta find someone who's effective at that and but just to take a step back you know we if you're doing seo what you're doing is you're giving visibility to content so you cannot separate the two Full stop, period. So if anyone is like, yeah, I want to do SEO, but I don't want to do anything with content, they're not gonna be necessarily a good fit with us. You know, like even if it's like, hey, we wanna do just like some technical work, cool. We can do all the technical work, but you're only you're gonna get to like a certain, you know, plateau unless you start adding content on top of it. Now, as far as like how you get it done, like really you gotta start with content strategy. And I think that this is a key area where SEO still kind of falters because, you know, we just want to like put ideas out like, hey, I have an idea for an infographic. Let's do that. Hey, I have an idea for a blog post. You have a series of like isolated incidents and what you'll find, especially if you're working with big companies, you've got to like think about, you know, who needs to review things? Who who's going to be the person actually puts it in the CMS? When is it going to be published? There's going to be so many different nuances of the content experience that you've got to lay out and work with your, your clients in order to make happen. And so that's why we do so much content strategy in our work. We'll start by reviewing what content exists, figuring out where the gaps are, what can be repurposed, and then that's going to inform, you know, what are we going to think about either creating or optimizing moving forward? But we're also going to have conversations where we're saying, how does content work in this organization? You know, do we need legal review first? Is there some sort of medical review if you're talking about like a pharma brand or something like that? Uh, What is your brand voice and tone? What does this messaging architecture look like? Has it been defined? If it hasn't been defined, let's define it. You know, you need to work through all of that before you write anything. And with that, you have to also identify like who's doing what? You know, are we going to have writers on our side? Do they have writers of their own? Do they have designers? Does dev need to be involved? All those things need to be figured out before you start thinking about like, oh, let's make this infographic. And so because of that, we are very successful at making content work for organizations because we're approaching it the same way that they might internally. And then we're also leveraging all the stuff that came before us so that we're not just like coming out of nowhere and ruining their brand. But to your point of prioritization, you know, I think... Prioritization is like the number one thing for any sort of web anything. You yeah, know? whether we're talking about engineering, whether we're talking about marketing, we've got to figure out like what are the things that are gonna, you know, allow us to show impact as soon as possible, so that there's continued support for the project. And that's that's a really big thing when you're on the agency side because at any point, someone higher up can look and be like, okay, well, what's the ROI on this? And, you know, they're not going to care about like, oh, it it takes, you know, a month to even onboard. It takes two months to get people actually do things. Like, they don't care about any of that. They want to know what their ROI is. Otherwise, they might cancel that project. And so you've got to orient yourself around like quick wins at all times. You know, like, oftentimes we come into an SEO project and we'll do, in audit of course, but we also do a series of quick wins. And oftentimes those quick wins are the same, but nevertheless, you wanna be able to commit something and get it live and start to show the impact so that other people that are kind of like hovering around the project, they can see that there's been a return here. And so that might be like, okay, reclaiming uh, external links that are pointing to pages that no longer exist, updating internal linking structure, fixing metadata, Things like that that are quick to do that show impact. And then you just keep going down the line. Like, what's the next thing that's going to have the most impact? It could be, you know, deleting content in some cases. It could be like, hey, you've got this asset that's like buried in the site. Why don't we bring it to the front of the site so that, you know, it's, it's had a better opportunity to rank and drive traffic and leads and whatever. So as far as prioritization, it really comes down to like, what are the KPIs that the Organization you're working with cares about, and then how do you like? What activities can you do to impact those as soon as possible? In some cases, it could be just technical. In some cases, it could be content optimization. In some cases, it could be net new content. But I tell you what, it's never link building. <laughs> link building <laughs> yeah, is not a yeah. fast thing ever.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I remember one. Uh, uh someone of my colleagues uh, shared how they got uh one million uh more than one million visitors a month and they mm-hmm. replied to me uh, we hired uh one percent of the best writers on this mm-hmm. niche you know yeah we we don't care about mediocre content we pay a lot more for these writers uh, because we know they will provide content that people want to consume mm-hmm. uh, that can retain. Uh, can you tell more about this parameter EAT, expertise, authority, trust, uh, how to provoke this feeling? Because we have more you know, this measurement, like, I don't know, uh, like keyword difficulty or cost per click, how to measure EAT because Google pays attention to this uh, parameter.
0: Yeah. So that's, One of the things that I don't really like about EAT is how ambiguous it is. Um, You know, is there some sort of like author score or authority score or whatever that's associated with writers? Probably. You know, there was a concept that Google had talked about a number of years ago called agent rank, which was basically that, like the idea that a person has an authority score. And so whenever you see this writer writing, that they should have the score associated with them. And largely what you're seeing for EAT is like, how do we show that this person is an authority? And, and it's a lot of people creating author bios that are quite robust, linking out to sources that are authoritative, like where they have written, uh, then putting you know, some indicators of uh, this has been reviewed by someone that's an expert or uh, when things have been updated. So it's a lot of, Frankly, like cosmetic things that you do in order to link a person to content. And it makes sense. You know, it's a lot of what people were trying to do when Google Plus came out, where they were like, okay, well, you know, tie your Google Plus page to everything that you write. So then Google can determine, like, this is your agent and here's how we rank it. And I mean, I think it's a valuable thing to do. insofar as it it helps expand the link graph in such a way where it's like about people rather than just like the articles themselves. Um, But I've not seen, you know, someone implement all these things and then suddenly rank dramatically better. So I don't know that it's necessarily like a requirement, um, but it is something that's worth doing to like get the extra layer of performance.
1: Yeah, yeah, valuable. So, valuable. Uh, yeah, uh, by the way, I asked uh, Lily Ray uh, if she has time, you know, to film a video for my course about EAT, and she asked me uh, what the length of the video, I just 5-10 minutes, and <laughs> she replied to me, "I don't know how to explain how EAT works for 5-10 minutes. Sorry."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's definitely yeah. the expert on it, and yeah, I don't, I don't imagine she could say everything she needs to say in ten minutes either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because most courses
1: that I check out online, they have videos like two seven minutes, not longer. But mm-hmm. you know, when you ask experts, please help. If that, they don't know how to share all this information uh, in this short period of time. So, yeah, Yeah. it depends. Okay, let's talk about uh, link building. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tell how to choose the right link building, because we have many different various uh, link building uh, methods. uh, And... uh, and uh i see many experts you know they usually use one two methods uh for example or pr or guest posting uh or a skyscraper it depends uh tell about your and link building campaigns
0: sure so the way that we approach link building is we try to align whatever content assets they have with the right tactic right so if it's like a site that has a ton of resource content you might want to do broken link. If it's a site that has a lot of like high-end content, you might want to do more like digital PR because you can, you know, reach out to these these different publications and get, you know, big content, which then yields other content. Um, you know, one of the tactics that I've seen popularized by the Siege Media folks is creating assets that are like state of like these interactive things. So like, you know, the state of I don't know um, cable providers or something like that, right? And then you have all this data and so on. It's a really robust experience. And what ends up happening is you get a lot of passive links because not only is it a good, well-designed experience that you promote to you know digital PR um, avenues and so on, but then it also ranks for a variety of things. So journalists end up finding it when they're looking for information on a given subject, and then they end up linking to it as well. Um, but the bottom line is that you know, it really starts with the content that you have. Otherwise you get into more spammy things that, or things that are potentially considered spammy because you don't have the content to support what you're trying to do. Um, and so what I always tell people to do is just like go to, you know, there's a, a big list of link building tactics that John Cooper previously a Point Blank SEO had written. And then um, Brian Dean from Backlinko had purchased. And he puts it's on backlinko.com and it's like a filterable thing. And basically you can say, okay, well, here's my situation. I'll filter for things that are, I can get links for like right away versus things that'll take a few months to do. And then it'll give you a list of tactics and then you align that with the content that you have and then go from there. At this point, like there's no secrets in link building. Like there was a time where I was really heavy into it individually when I actually did it. And we were all in the space, like coming up with new ideas of things to do. I mean, I'm sure there's some brilliant people coming up with new tactics here and there. But at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're reaching out to someone that doesn't know you and convincing them to do something for you. So you've got to have something of value from them or for them in the form of content. Otherwise, you get into that space where you're effectively just buying links or doing guest posts. So you've got to figure out, you know which tactic is going to work for the content that you've got. And then you it really just comes down to outreach. And at this point, you've got great tools out there like Pitchbox and Buzzstream and so on that really allows you to scale the outreach and uh, be very effective with it. So I would say, you know, again, start with the tactics, align it with your content, get the right tool set, and then just hammer it with the outreach. It's, it's really not much different from doing outbound sales.
1: Yeah, yeah, Uh, I love outreach. Uh, Can you tell about personalization? Because, you know, I get uh, every single day. Uh, It's hard to count all of them, probably a hard mess. uh, I don't know, like a 100 messages about uh, guest posting, about similar stuff. Please, uh, we provide the best guest posting. We provide the best links, automation, something like this. And, you know, my spam inbox loves all these messages because I lead them directly. So, I, uh, And uh, can you tell how it's dangerous to uh, uh, hire such agencies who provide... Uh, cheap guest posting, you know, uh, automation, uh, how it can hurt uh, ranking positions on Google?
0: Sure. Um, You know, I mean, anything that is considered against Google's guidelines, and it's not just link building, you know, cloaking, things like that, could potentially yield you losing your positions. And link building has been the thing that they watch the most. Um, I would, in fact, I would kind of posit that you know cloaking doesn't matter so much to them because there's so many reasons that you would show different content for different contexts but um link building is still the thing that they're actively looking at and you know the the problem is is that if you hire a, a company that does low-end link building or they're using pbn's private blog networks for anyone that doesn't know um you know they have the same footprint right like if, if you hire a company that, you know, they, they have like their thousand websites and they're giving you a subset of links from those, the subset of the sites, um, Google has like a, you know, high level view of the web. And if they're building all these links from these same sites, it's very easy for them to see that pattern. So you don't want to do anything that Is a replicable pattern that is identifiable because you could easily be uh penalized algorithmically as a result of that. Even worse, if someone does some sort of like manual review of your site and they've just manually reviewed 10 other sites, or you know, they they've had all this experience of that, they will very quickly be able to see with the series of tools that Google has, like, okay, this person is clearly you know, spamming or clearly doing something against the guidelines. And again, you would get that manual penalty. So I would definitely recommend against doing anything like that because, you know, you don't want to just get uh, short-term results. You want the long-term results that you can count on as a business. Now, if you don't care, you know, if you're just like churning and burning websites and you're like, cool, I'm going to make my $50,000 a month with this website, kill it, start it up and do it again. You know, just use a bunch of content that you generate with GPT three or whatever, and then get your links from a you know low end source. Fine, do that. But if you want to build a business that lasts for a long time and grows with you, and and your efforts compound over time, definitely steer clear of that stuff.
1: Yeah, nice. So valuable. One of my clients shared a case study when uh, the project got high-ranking positions uh, with PBN and low-quality content. Um, And uh, I check out the study, but I didn't find this website. (laughs) And I asked, okay, you know, I can write a study how to lose weight, to eat McDonald's, uh, forget about training, exercising, (laughs) and Mm. to lose weight. No, so... It's not a problem to write the study, but I want to see the subject, you know, <laughs> how mm-hmm. to get the results with low-quality content in PBM. Yeah, uh, everyone can uh, write such studies. Okay, Let's talk about uh, top mistakes. Uh, for example, no, um, you know, I, I often get customers who, uh, you know, who write uh, low-quality service and then mm-hmm. uh, are looking for better specialist experts who uh, have enough experience, you know, uh, because people don't know uh, how to hire uh, great experts. They In the first stage, they can uh, chase, chase prices, you know, better prices. Uh, can you tell from your experience uh, how to... Uh, find responsible SEO specialists uh, who know the topic, how to filter out them because, uh, yeah, it's hard to do in the first stage.
0: Sure. Yeah, it's definitely difficult because, you know, a lot of people are good at marketing, but not good at SEO. And like you said, anyone can write a case study about anything and slap whatever logo they want on it. Um, I think it really comes down to one, can they explain to you properly And clearly and transparently how they work and what the plan is specifically for your website, not just like generally, here's how SEO is done. Like, what do they intend to do for you? Um, Also, getting references um, that indicate, you know, that you can speak to directly as far as like what to expect and what the results look like. So, again, it's not just about a case study. Case studies are important, of course, but you definitely want to make sure that you can speak to someone um, in addition so you can get a sense of, like, okay, what's it like to actually work with these folks? Um, And then, you know, I think it also comes back to thought leadership, right? Like, what is that that company's reputation? If they're just, like, you know, silently doing SEO, there are plenty out there that are great, but you have a better chance of finding someone that's going to be good if they're actively putting in the marketplace or online like here's what we do here's how we think here's how we're reacting to changes um here's our strategy and you know it really just comes down to like are these people actively publishing things on their own website to indicate like how involved they are in the space so if 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 you, ha- if you find agencies that aren't able to give you those three things, those are probably not going to end well. And I you know, also wouldn't recommend that you work with them. Um, and like I said, there may be folks that aren't so involved in thought leadership, but they're really good at doing work. So if that's the case, again, you'll have a lot of great references from them. And so that's not really an issue. But if you've got all three of those things, it's pretty pretty often that you're going to be working with someone good
1: yeah yeah well uh mike let's imagine you have no experience uh anything uh without any skills knowledge you started from scratch what will you do today to learn more about seo uh
0: if i was learning from scratch what would i do to learn about seo um i would go to a latest only she put together this like this website called LearningSEO.io, where she's really curated a bunch of things um you know, where you can learn SEO. And I feel like that's the single best source where you can find like everything you want to know. And other than that, I would just try to start a website myself and try to get it to rank for something. And it doesn't have to be like in a super competitive space, but just going through the process of building a website and making it rank for a handful of terms teaches you far more than just like reading about SEO or watching some videos about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, uh, to read 100 books, how to play soccer. If you don't play, Mm -hmm. if you (laughs) don't spend time uh, on the field with the ball, you know, you can't achieve any results, you know, you need to act. So, yeah, I love this approach. Let's talk about the future. I have the final question. Uh, Can you forecast the future of SEO? I think SEO will be dead in one day. uh, I remember when Jeff Bezos uh, mentioned uh, in his meeting that Amazon uh, will be bankrupt. But our goal is to procrastinate. At this date uh, uh, i think it's the same seo many things are coming uh, but seo is far away from that today uh, and uh, this process uh, I, i'm not sure that it's possible that uh, then seo will uh, lose all positions in one day yeah it takes time you know to change habits to find something new uh, can you tell about the future of seo today if someone want to jump on this field is it good idea
0: uh- I don't know that SEO is going to die. I think that, you know, fundamentally the way that we interact with information is searching for it. Um, And there's a variety of different places where you perform that search. I think that, you know, things are going to become increasingly more visual, especially with TikTok being like the dominant website. You see Google in their announcements at Search On the other day, they talked about more of like, visual search and, and things like that. But at the end of the day, we're always going to be searching for something as far as like what that interface looks like that may be different. Um, they're also moving away from this idea of there being a single best answer for things. So I suspect that, you know, being number one is also going to mean something different in the near future. But I don't think that SEO is something that will stop. There's always going to be a need for, you know, positioning content to perform as well as possible in a search engine. What that search engine look like, looks like, it's gonna potentially change. Um, But I I think there's always gonna be a need for people like us to do the job that we do. Um, And, you know, I think the reality of it is that Google needs us because if the web was like the wasteland that it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it would be even more difficult for them to parse it and serve up the best results possible. And think about it, like they really use SEOs for scale, right? Like, cause Google will say like, hey, you should fix this thing. You need to make things faster due to core web vitals. Well, who are the people that are going out and and making businesses do that? It's us. It's us saying like, hey, this is important. Let us help you make that happen. If it was just Google themselves, they would not be able to to have the web scale impact that they do. Um, So, yeah, I think there's always going to be a role for SEOs and SEO is always going to be a thing. Uh, It just may not be as prominent because things change, but it's always going to be a requirement for us to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I remember when someone asked Gary Vee about TikTok. Is it a good idea to jump on TikTok if uh, the U.S. can ban TikTok? And mm-hmm. he replied, uh, of course it's a good idea because you can get experience, you know, to create this content. It doesn't matter uh, if TikTok will be banned, you can use this experience to create content for different platforms it's the same with seo so if you have experience to create high quality content because content is the number one ranking factor then you can adapt these skills to another channels if you need it so yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, mike it's a big pleasure to get on the show to learn from you tell our audience how they can reach out to you learn more about you follow you
0: sure um, I'm rank on Twitter and Instagram. You can also come to Ipolrank.com. And also, if you want to check out my music, you can go to bestrapperever.com.
1: Wow, I didn't know about that. Okay, I will check out. Okay, guys, you can find all the links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use.